We all know what the Orlando Magic's biggest need is. It, it almost doesn't even need to be said. So let's spend 30 minutes talking about how the Magic are going to fill it and how the Magic are going to find some shooting. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Indeed, Locked On Magic. Today is May 10th, 2023. My name is Philip Rosman-Eich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about shooting. The Orlando Magic's problem with shooting, how they solve it, and where they might turn in free agency to get it done. We're going to talk about all the options ahead coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. At the end of the day, we all know the biggest thing holding this Magic team back. Yeah, they finished 16th in defensive rating for the season, 6th after December 7th, but their net rating, even after December 7th, was still hovering around zero. So even with one of the best defenses in the league... The Magic struggled to score. And it was a repeated issue we saw come up again and 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 again. How are the Magic going to generate points? And obviously, for the past decade, where the Magic have finished in the bottom 10 of the league in offensive rating for each of the last 10 years, finding shooting has been a challenge. For as much as the Orlando Magic revolutionized shooting in this league uh, in the late aughts, they have been unable to take that next step, to take that step up and be part of the current wave of three-point shooting revolution that's going on. Whether that was because of bad drafting choices, poor development, the wrong players being available at the places where the Magic were picking, poor roster construction, poor free agent choices— Shooting just hasn't been at a premium. Even under Jeff Jeff Weltman, the Magic have been unable to find the kind of knockdown shooters, even discovering them as diamonds in the rough, to help support this team and, and help them grow offensively. Well, now that the Magic are squarely focused on the playoffs, now that the Magic do have a centerpiece player in Paolo Vancaro and Wendell Carter, finding shooting is only becoming a bigger deal. And for sure, this offseason, shooting seems to be the highest priority. At least among fans who are kind of tired of seeing the same old thing, we all want to see this team focus their offseason on shooting. If a guy can't shoot, frankly, I don't know if I want him on the team. 
or are added to the team at least. That, of course, is completely unfair because I, I am a subscriber in the draft that you do take the best player available. You think about team fit, that matters, but talent is talent, and, and you find ways to make talent work, and, and you develop talent. Um, you know, Again, I think a lot of the failures of the Magic during this rebuild are, are more about player development issues than about... Are, are more about player development issues then they are necessarily about uh, um, uh, drafting the wrong player or or, or whatnot. Certainly, you know, yeah. We're going to move forward. And the the way to move forward is to to start by thinking with what you have. As much as we want to add shooting to this roster, a lot of the magic shooting improvement is going to start internally. And so while I, I, I advertise this as a free agency uh, a podcast, this is actually a player development podcast. Um, everything for this team starts with how they're able to develop their players. And there are at least some signs that the Magic could potentially develop some shooters of their own. But first, let's start with the big numbers. The Magic this year were 24th in the league in three-point field goal percentage at 34.6%. They were 27th in attempts at 31.1 three-point attempts per game, and thus 25th in three-point makes at 10.8 per game. We'll talk about this in the next segment, but one of the issues the Magic have is simply one of math. It's simply about volume. We talked about it on several occasions this year where the Magic gave up a lot of three-pointers. They did. That's part of their defensive strategy at the moment. And thus, they gave up a lot of makes at times. And teams torched them. Because the Magic couldn't always keep up. The Magic weren't going to hit 23s in a game. If they got to 15, that was a solid number. The Magic, in a lot of ways, were trying to limit how much their three-point deficit was. And again, that shows you why shooting threes right now is so important. And so, what do the Magic have on the roster? As far as shooters go, Gary Harris is really the only reliable three-point shooter. He shot 43.1% on four and a half attempts per game. By far the best shooter on the team. And, you know, with all due respect to my one commenter who thinks Gary Harris is overpaid and shouldn't be playing, you're wrong. If anything, the Magic need to do a better job getting Gary Harris more shots. That may not be his game, so that might be asking too much. We're going to get into, into that part of the conversation coming up in a moment. But Harris was the lone really good shooter on this team. Franz Wagner shot 36.1%. Cole Anthony shot 36.4%. Very, very respectful. And, and of course, Cole Anthony had a really strong closing kick to the season. Um, you know, Anthony played really, really well. Jalen Suggs shot 32.7% for the season, but 36% in the 19 games after the All-Star break. We all know the struggles that Paolo had from beyond the arc. So, there's this weird thing with this team. You know, Wendell Carter, not afraid to shoot from three now, but not a good three-point shooter yet. Franz Wagner is developing into a very good three-point shooter. And, and as he adds that to his game, that's going to make him a lot better and a lot more effective. Um, Jalen Suggs continues to improve as a three-point shooter. Cole Anthony shot 40-plus percent after the All-Star break as well. So, the Magic... Ha- and, and again... I'll give credit to Markel Fultz. Not a good three-point shooter yet. Teams are happy to let him shoot, but he's not afraid to take those shots. 
And that's at least something. What I'm trying to say here is, if the Magic are going to make a leap offensively, it's still going to start with what they have on the team already. The Magic cannot rely solely on uh, they can't rely solely on bringing new players in. It's still going to take internal development to get their shooting where they want it to be. And there are guys that you trust to shoot. Honestly, I think a lot of the Magic's three-point shooting problems, and, and, and again, I give them credit. They knew they weren't a three-point shooting team. They didn't take a ton of threes. And I do think that is a credit to their coaching. They never, you know, they knew that they lost games when they took too many threes, when they settled for three-pointers. Getting to the line is a big part of this team's identity, and I think it should remain that way. But the Magic still need these guys to get better at shooting. And and again, some of that's just going to be about development. It's going to be about Paolo Bancaro knowing when to make the pass, getting on-time, on-target passes. Gary Harris shot four and a half threes. I'd like to see him up at five or six per game. You know, even if he's making one more three, he's, you know, shooting what, two, one and a half for four. Um, even if he makes one more three and it's two and a, it's, you know, two to three threes in six or seven attempts, that's a huge difference. Because that also means the ball is moving because he's not creating shots for himself necessarily. And we'll get to some of those guys again in, in a moment. The Magic need to find a way to increase their volume, and, and a lot of that's just going to be about the team becoming smarter about when they pass, where they pass, and how they pass. That's the truth of it here. But it's obviously not easy, and it's going to take some work, and it's going to take some some effort from the guy, from the players on the team, and very realistically, some of these guys aren't going to make it. I'm confident Jalen Suggs can be a 33, 34, maybe even a 35% three-point shooter uh, over a season. I, I, I think injuries have really slowed him down. Getting a healthy offseason now to work on his game, he can shoot the ball. If, if he can get consistent, he can shoot the ball and he can be a dangerous weapon. But clearly, this Magic team is going to need a little bit more. They're not going to be able to just rest on their laurels. They're not going to be able to say, oh, we'll just get better. They need guys' defense's respect. And that's where the draft and free agency come in. We're going to talk about the Magic's options in the draft, which we've done a little bit, but we'll get into it a little bit more, as well as free agency coming up here in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our friends at Game Time. You know, we've all been in that situation where we find out, we decide on a whim we want to go to the game, or there's that concert coming to town. The last concert I went to, I didn't know it was in town until the week before, and I was freaking out because it was a, you know, Jack White's a big deal. Hard Rock isn't the biggest venue. Getting tickets was a bit of a concern, but you could always find tickets because you have game time in your corner. Game time is the place to go for last minute ticket deals and the best prices anywhere. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email to find those tickets at the gate. 
Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off, and download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. So, you know, obviously, a lot of our attention, um, when we've talked about the draft, and, and, and I have a daily spin for us coming up later on, get, get back to our daily spins, get back to talking about the playoffs after taking yesterday off on that, um, a lot of our attention on drafts come, to sh- come down to shooting. Uh, I am openly saying this, um, you know, and who knows if this is what the Magic's goal is, but my goal for draft night, my number one thing I want to see on draft night is I want to see the Magic get a shooter. Above everything else, the Magic need a shooter. I don't care if it's by trade, and I'm not going to get into trades because trades are so hypothetical and and, and you know not always obvious, especially on draft night. Um, so the Magic, could, you know, I'm going to say a lot of things. The Magic could make a trade that makes all of it moot, um, especially when it comes to draft. Um, so. I'll put that warning out 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 there, but whether it's drafting a guy or whether it's trading for a guy, I believe the Magic need to come away on June twenty second, June twenty third, with a shooter. They need to come away with a shooter um, on, on those days, uh, on that day, um, and if they do that, it will be a successful draft. Fortunately for the Magic, this is a draft that does have some shooting options. Um, we've done mock drafts, and and Grady Dick has been the guy that a lot of people have focused on, a very popular pick among Magic fans. Uh, averaged 14.1 points per game, hit 40.3% of his three-pointers on 5.7 attempts per game, made 85.4% of his free throws. And if you're new to this, I always, with shooters especially, always point out their free throw percentage. Free throw percentage is a better predictor of NBA three-point success than the three than the college three-point line. So... I will note. I will note that. I will note that where I can. Um, but Grady Dick is probably the best pure shooter in this draft. Great form. Seems to just have an effortless shot. Has no hiccups. No bad history with the shot either. Um, it, it, it feels like he is the best shooter in the draft. He, if the Magic are you taking, they're going to have to take him sixth. He's not going to last to eleven. Um, but the other option the Magic have at six is Taylor Hendricks from UCF. Um, he is, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he is a really good shooter, especially for a player of size. He's 6'9", 6'10". Um, pretty solid shooter. Not going to shoot off the move. Much more of a set shooter. Uh, line drive driver. Um, you know, very, very talented. Good body for, for the NBA. So, you know, get good defender as well. So he adds that. Grady Dick's definitely a specialist. Um, but the other guy I'm watching is UConn's Jordan Hawkins. Uh, I've been very high on Jordan Hawkins uh, for a while now. Averaged 16.2 points per game. Shot 38.8% from deep. You'll notice that is um, a little bit worse than Dick's 40.3%, but still solid. On 7.6 attempts, a little bit higher volume in college, with an 88.7% free throw percentage. To me, that tells you a little bit that Hawkins is someone that can that can translate. Um, Hendricks, I do have it in front of me now, 39.4% from deep. You also got Baylor's Keontae George, 33.8% on a high volume as well. 
Michigan's Jet Howard, also an option with 36.8% shooting. The point is, if the Magic want to draft a shooter, there are shooters available. And they're pretty good shooters and shooters that you should feel comfortable taking. Um, if the Magic come away with Dick, Howard, Hendricks, or George, they've probably done a good job. Um, Keontae George certainly has fallen off. He really struggled toward the end of toward the end of the season, especially struggled in big games for Baylor. Um, you know, had to create a lot. Uh, you know, a lot. You know, Cam Whitmore has some of the same issues. Cam Whitmore was not a good three point shooter. Um, I'm more skeptical of his three point shooting because he shot like seventy percent from the line last year. Um, so you know, there people will tell you like, no, 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 Cam Whitmore best best spot up shooter. In the, one of the best spot-up shooters in the nation. Just didn't get the opportunity because he had to be on the ball a lot. That context matters. I'm not here to dispute those stats, but the free throw percentage makes me a little bit worried about his translation to the NBA. Um, again, really good driver, can do multiple things. Uh, you know, got, you need guys that aren't just going to be shooters sometimes. So you do need shooting um, um, to, 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 to that point. The good news for the Magic 2 is there are quite a few free agent options uh, for, for shooting. Um you know, a big again, the big point that I've been making, and I think this is the thing that the Magic need to find, is they need a volume shooter. You know, Terrence Ross was on the low end of this. You know, he always shot like 33%, but he'd take like eight threes per game. So if he's shooting 33%, taking eight threes, he's still making three threes a game. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing. And then sometimes that three would be five. Sometimes it'd be one for eight. And, and obviously that those games were the problem. But... That's something the Magic are missing. You know, Gary Harris took four three-pointers per game. I would argue they need to either find a way to get him to take more or find someone that's going to take more threes. And again, maybe that's Cole Anthony. Maybe Cole Anthony becomes a little mini Fred Van Vliet um, where he's able to hit some pull-up threes, kind of get guys off the dribble, make big threes. Like I said, there's a lot of different ways this could go, and the Magic might know by the time July comes around what they have on the roster and where guys are developed. Volume shooting to me is a big deal, and, and and there are quite a few volume shooters. You know, Fred Van Vliet's obviously the big one out there. Um, the Magic can, are probably operating with around $25 million in cap room. They can get up north of 30, which would get, put them in range to sign Fred Van Vliet. If they start cutting a lot of guys like Gary Harris, Jonathan Isaac, they uh, let Mo Wagner go, they cut Michael Carter-Williams, Gary Harris and Jonathan Isaac are the two key guys. If they cut Gary Harris, they're fishing for, they're fishing for big fish, and, and really Fred Van Vliet... Maybe Chris Middleton are the two big fish that they could go after in this in this free agency. They're not going after Kyrie Irving. Um, if they do, I don't even want to think about that. Um, but Fred Van Vliet last year, a little bit of a down year, 19.3 points per game, 34.2% from deep, but 8.8 attempts per game. That's actually down uh, from last year, but he's averaged more than five three-point attempts per game in each of the last four years. This is a guy that is going to take threes. Gary Trent Jr. is kind of the same deal. Averaged 17.4 points per game, shot 36.9% from beyond the arc, 6.8 attempts per game, down from 7.8 per game last year. So again, Trent has a, has a reputation for being a little bit streaky, but this is the main point I'm trying to make. They take the threes. They get open, and certainly Toronto's ecosystem is gives them some open shots. But they take contested threes, they make contested threes, and they constantly have pressure on the defense because they're always a threat to shoot. This is what the Magic are missing. The Magic do not have a player like this that's going to take five, six threes a game and make them at a decent clip. Trent's likely going to demand a pretty high salary. I would expect that he'll get 
um, in the 15, 16, 17, maybe even into the $20 million range. If the Magic go after Gary Trent Jr., that's their summer. That's their big signing. They'll maybe add a few guys. Um, they obviously have the draft to supplement the roster, but they'll add a few guys um, uh, with 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 mid level exception, perhaps, or the or the or the apron exception, or the uh, the the room exception. Um, but that's their big that's their big move. The other guys to watch out are the Miami Heat's duo shooters, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Both are coming off of you know kind of minimum deals after they were discovered by the Miami Heat. Both are excellent shooters. Struess shot 35% from deep on seven three-point attempts per game to get to 11.5 points per game. Vincent scored 9.4 points per game on 33.4% shooting on 5.1 attempts per game. Again, with these guys, their volume is the point. They are role players. They're only there to shoot threes, essentially. Um, And Struess is a smart player. Vincent is a smart player. But they're there to shoot threes. And they shoot a lot of them. So this is the direction the match can go. And the question... You know, the question I think, and, and this is the difficult and maybe impossible question to, to answer, uh, and, and why, you know, you're always buyer beware when you do free agency. Um, do those players work because they're in the ecosystems of Toronto and Miami? Miami and Toronto are two of the best offenses in the league. They know they're very veteran teams, they know who they are. Those guys get their shots because of the way that they run their system. Do, do Does that work with the Magic? You know, a, a team that doesn't really have a set offensive system, has a lot of young guys that are learning how to play better and play together. Um, I think those are fair questions and, 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 and ones that are tough to answer, but those are just four options that are out there. Two other guys that are worth mentioning, and that's kind of in the 3 and D mold. And, and, and these guys may not necessarily be 3 and D players, but um, these guys are not volume three-point shooters, but still good shooters that'll help space the floor and give the Magic a, a little bit of something. I've been on the Bruce Brown train for the last two years. Um, Bruce, for, for, for really the last two years. He had a good good season in Brooklyn last year, signed with the Denver Nuggets, two-year deal, player option on the second year. Could be in line to get a little bit of a pay bump uh, and, and get a little bit more long-term security. Um, I really like Bruce Brown. He's a great defender. Uh, he's been running some point for Denver in this playoff series. You know, hasn't had big games, but he makes big plays. Um, signed a two-year, $13.3 million deal player option for next year. So could get a pay bump. Averaged 11.5 points per game. 35.8% shooting from three. 3.2 attempts per game. Again, Denver, not a high-volume three-point shooting team. They don't take a ton of threes. And Brown, his three-point shooting goes up up and down. He's only shooting, you know, entering last night's game, only shooting 21.1% from deep in the playoffs. So something to consider there. But he's had good shooting years. He shot 40% with, with Brooklyn two years ago, generally in the mid-30s three-point shooting, shooting percentage. So he's a guy that can give you a little bit of defense, can be a little bit of a playmaker on the ball as well, uh, as well as hit an open three when given the opportunity. Maybe not someone that is quite a three-point specialist. The other guy, and, and we'll probably talk a little bit about more about him on bigger free agent lists, um, I think the Magic are going to be in the running for Austin Reeves. Um, you know, I, I know some Magic fans are a little bit skeptical uh, about him. Um, a lot of people think that he's just getting the Lakers bump. He's on TV a lot. He's on the Lakers. Makes him feel like he's a bigger deal. Um, the Lakers surely have learned their lesson from letting Alex Caruso go. Um, so perhaps they will pony up and pay him. They are limited in what they can match on, on him because he's on such a small contract. Um, and so I do think Reeves is kind of ripe for the taking. And and honestly, the more I watch Reeves, 
the more I think what he does is real. He is a very crafty playmaker. He is good at drawing fouls. And, and you know, maybe he is getting the benefit of a Lakers whistle if such a thing exists. Uh, but he is very good at, at, at getting fouls. He is very good at scoring in, in, in the in-between game. And he'll hit an open three if he's given given an open three. Um, Reeves for the season, uh, 14, uh, 14.4 points per game, 34.6% shooting on 5.2 attempts. Um, you know, again, not great volume. Um, his, his volume increased in the... In the uh, that, that's in the playoffs, actually. Sorry. Uh, in the regular season, 13 points per game, uh, 61.6% effective field goal percentage, 39.8% on 3.4 attempts per game. His volume's gone up in the playoffs to 5.2 attempts per game. His efficiency's gone down. Um, but this is a guy that can shoot. You know, you give him an open shot, he's going to shoot. He's going to know how to attack closeouts. I I think Reeves is a really smart player. And so, I am... I'm a believer. I think that he is a good player. I think he's a great role player. Um, I think he would help the team, a team like the Magic, especially kind of fitting what the Magic want to do. They want everyone to be able to make plays to play on the ball, to make decisions with the ball. Reeves, I think Brown is good at this too, but Reeves is really good at making his decisions. And again, he's a shooter. He's someone that defenses are going to respect. Um, they're going to respect his drive. They're going to respect his shot. And that's a really good player. That's why Reeves is able to have such big games. Um, again, there are a lot of options. I could go through some of the gunner options that I, look, that I looked at as well. I don't think they're real Kelly Oubre Jr., I think, is someone the Magic could go to if they strike out on a couple guys. Um, he can shoot it a little bit. Uh, he could shoot it for sure, but you know he will take a lot of shots to get his points. Uh, I, I, don't, I That would not be my first option, but I do think that is on the table as well. Um, but again, this Magic team needs shooting. Plain and simple, this Magic team needs shooting. Uh, and finding it is going to be the biggest challenge of the offseason. There are options, though, and I think that is the most important part. We'll do our daily lottery spin, get back to that, talk a little bit about the playoffs uh, from the last couple nights. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. So the NBA playoffs march on. We're through uh, game games five now. I think all all our series are past game five. Yeah, all our uh, oh, no, uh, we got we're, we're we're game we're we're doing games. We're in the midpoint of our game fives here. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm losing track of time. And you know, the biggest thing that that I've seen over the last couple of days is really about decision making. If you've listened to my podcast enough, if you listen to me yammer on uh, like I do. Um, you've heard me say all the time, good teams don't win close games, they avoid them. That's true in the regular season. In the playoffs, you better be able to win close games. The reason why the Miami Heat are one win away from the Eastern Conference Finals yet yet again is they don't lose close games. All their guys make really good decisions, they play really calm, and they make big shots. And over and over again over the last few days, we saw teams... Even some really experienced veteran teams make bad choices. And so, yes, end-of-game situations matter. Being able to make good choices, being able to keep your calm, keep your cool, is such a big deal. 
Um, I want to give two examples. One is an obvious one that's been talked a lot on on talk radio and sports talk radio. And, you know, I'll give my two cents here. I thought Joe Missoula made the right call not calling timeout. Um, I generally like, you know, especially with that much time. If you have less time, if you have like 10 seconds left, call timeout, advance the ball. Don't waste your time advancing the ball there. Um, but with 20 seconds left, don't call time. I don't think you need to call timeout. You should at this stage of the season, you should have trust in your team to be able to run their stuff and get a good shot. Um, the Celtics did not reward that trust, um, and they didn't reward that trust in two ways. Um, and it's just a no time and score um, on the James Harden three in overtime. That was a complete breakdown by Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics. Um, and I don't. And no one's really talked about this. Joel Embiid. They were the Celtics did a great job doubling Joel Embiid throughout Game Four. I was really impressed with Boston's defense on Joel Embiid to get back in that game, give themselves a chance to win it. But up by two with thirty seconds to go, they needed to call off that double. The only thing that hurts you in that situation is a three pointer. And Philadelphia did a really good job isolating Joel Embiid, where there was only one option to help and double him, and it was off of James Harden in the corner for a three. Easy, you know, difficult shot, but, you know, Embiid was able to get deep enough, pull Jalen Brown far enough, and kick it to, J- to James Harden for an o- for what was essentially an open three. You got to know in that situation, time and score. You got to know a three is the only thing that beats you. And the, the, the Celtics allowed them to get beat by three. But... You're down by one. You still got 20 seconds left. There, there's there's literature and there's analytics that will tell you it's better to have the ball in your hands. And I did not hate that Joe Mazzula didn't call timeout. I hated how slow Boston brought the ball up the floor. I hated how long it took Boston to get into their set. And they did the same thing at the end of regulation where they waited until there was like five or six seconds left instead of seven or eight seconds left to get into their offense and try and win the game. They were too slow, too, uh, too lacking energy to get into their stuff. And, and that lack of energy played out again in Game 5 when Philadelphia just ran them off the court. That Part of that is coaching. When Missoula saw them running so slowly through, slowly into their offense, he, that might have been when you call the timeout just to say like, hey, we got to pick it up. We're down one here, guys. Make sure we get a good shot. And look, Boston did get a good shot. They just got it too late. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer. I hate winding down the clock at the end of those games, especially when you're down one. Just get the basket. I would have ran regular offense. I don't care how much time I leave Philadelphia. I trust my defense to get a stop. Um, and, and you know, can put the ball in Philadelphia's court. Philadelphia's court. But um, I, I did not like the way that they played played that. That 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 was my only criticism. Again, just bad decision. Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart took too long to get into their offense. It cost them that game. Um, you know, a second earlier. Marcus Smart hits that three. Boston's up. Boston's up three one. Heading back to Boston. Sure, they maybe lose Game Five still because Boston's weird. Um, but you know, again, you have that cushion. Same thing kind of happened in the Lakers Warriors game on on Monday night. Um, I really dislike the shot selection from Golden State. The series has been all about the paint um, and winning the paint and. You know, when the Lakers are able to win the paint with with Anthony Davis, the Warriors are really struggling to find themselves. And, and, you know, they're down by three at one point, and I think Draymond Green had a wide-open layup that he didn't take with time on the clock. 
stretching the game is important. Make the Lakers make free throws. Um, you will. You have Steph Curry. You will get chances to score again. And look, Steph Curry did all that he could. Him digging out that jump ball at the end of that game was so impressive. And there was just nowhere for him to go with the basketball. He had a timeout, and I don't think he realized it. Again, time and score. These guys forget time and score sometimes. Um, but I, I thought Golden State's offensive execution down the stretch was just really bad. A couple turnovers. You know, they tried the hammer screen, Darvin Ham, and the Lakers sniffed that out. Um, the hammer screen is apparently named for Darvin Ham. I did not realize that. I thought it was just a, a, a you know, pound the rock thing uh, with the Spurs. Um, but, but just the Warriors are a championship team, and they still executed really poorly down the stretch. Winning close games matters in the playoffs. That's 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 my main point. Let's get back to doing our daily lottery spin. I'm behind on my daily lottery spins on OrlandoMagicDaily.com on, on at OmagicDaily. Um, in our spin today, Washington gets the first pick. Oklahoma City climbs up to number two. Portland gets number three. So Orlando drops two spots to eight, as well as picking 12th uh, from the Bulls. Um, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, about how the Magic might kind of game this a little bit. Um, I would suspect Jordan Hawkins will be there at 12 or 11, although he might climb. I I, I really like this kid's game the more I watch him. Um, so a lot of people think that the Magic should take a, uh, a, a big forward. They should take like Taylor Hendricks at 8. Um, very good chance that in this scenario, Hendricks is there at 8. Um, I, I think Hendricks would be a good addition to the team. I, th- I, I We had, did a whole podcast on how the Magic need a backup for. Um, I think he would fill that role really, really well, give this team some needed rim protection uh, as well, uh, some interior defense and interior presence they don't really have yet, a good energy about him. And then you can come back and grab Jordan Hawkins. You can grab Bryce Sensabaugh even at 12, just make it a double local draft. Um, so again, the thing I like about this draft is where the Magic are picking, I feel very comfortable with the guys that, that, that are going to be available to them and the options that they have. Outside of where the guys Magic are picking, if the Magic you know fell too far or, or get out of the lottery, um, I don't like the options. I, I really think the talent in this draft drops off pretty heavily after the lottery. And so you know, again, some guys will preview along, you know, wrong. There's always someone out there that that you, that you don't expect. But uh, my initial review is is the Magic are in a good spot to get to players who are going to contribute, uh, but the the margin for error is a little bit thin on on that. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in to Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You, of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic for my everyday squad, we're going to chat about the season as a whole with a special guest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. If you follow the Locked On Podcast Network, you could probably guess who's going to be on the show. Very excited to have this guest on and talk about the magic from a Nationals perspective and what comes next for this team. It's going to be a very, very fun episode tomorrow, so definitely check it out. But until then, for Orlando Magic, Dale and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman. Mike. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.